Welcome again to an episode of the Paris 21 podcast, Data for the People. My name is Johannes Jütting, and I'm very delighted to have today with us Guillaume Grosso, who is the Director of International Business Development and European Strategy at the Gavi Vaccine Alliance. Thank you very much, Johannes, for inviting me. It's a pleasure to be here. I would be interested to start off our conversation. How have you managed yourself balancing work and life uh, in this current context of the COVID crisis? So I'm based in, uh, in Geneva, Switzerland. Uh, and of course, as in many countries now, uh, we have lockdown. We're essentially working largely from home. But I have to say, in our case, it's extremely energizing because we are working on trying to help with a solution to COVID itself. When, when COVID hit Uh, at the beginning of the year, the G20, the G7 gathered and came to Gavi and said, well, can you please help us in the fight against COVID, against this new disease? Can we find a vaccine? Can we accelerate a vaccine? And so that's what we've been doing for the past months. And I think, you know, on the one hand, working from home is never easy. You've got to manage, you know, the work-life balance. You've got the kids, you've got the family, uh, and all of that needs to make sense. But on the other hand, there's this high level of energy because every day when we wake up, we know why we wake up and what we're trying to achieve. So my understanding was that Gavi really focused its attention on diseases and illnesses that matter for poor people and that you have developed vaccines and helped to distribute vaccines for this purpose. So how do you reconcile both the focus on COVID while uh, keeping focus on those kind of illnesses that matter for really poor people only? You know, we were launched in, in 2000. Uh, we have essentially helped vaccinate 822 million children now and counting, which means saving about 14 million lives. And that's the mission of Gavi. We're here for the children in developing countries to introduce vaccines. We, we've helped launch, you know, 495 vaccine introductions against, you know, 17 infectious diseases. So that's the bread and butter of what we've been doing for 20 years. We held our global vaccine summit on the 4th of June uh, this year. Uh, and it was uh, it was hosted by by the United Kingdom, and we raised 8.8 billion dollars against the 7.5 billion targets that we had set ourselves. So there was and there is a tremendous level of support for vaccination for health in the developing world. Having said that, I think one thing that COVID managed to do, perhaps at a bigger scale, is to really make the connection between what happens in the developing world and what happens everywhere in the world. Because the point I think that COVID has made loud and clear in everybody's mind is that nobody is safe until everyone is safe when there is a disease. Will there be a risk to crowd out vaccinations against other uh, illnesses? As you said, infectious illnesses that are more prevalent for a country like Madagascar or so. We created an alliance to respond to COVID-19. What uh, this alliance looks like is called COVAX. It's basically the World Health Organization working with Gavi, working with CEPI, which is the Coalition for Epidemic Preparedness Innovation, so that we can accelerate a vaccine against COVID-19 that is safe, that is effective, and that is available For the entire world. And we're driving this effort. And what I can tell you is that as of today, 187 countries and economies 
have joined COVAX, which means that it's not anymore just about developing countries. It is about the entire world. What COVAX is trying to do is procure 2 billion doses of this new vaccine as soon as possible. And 1 billion will be for the countries that are high-income countries, upper-middle-income countries. And 1 billion will be for the countries that are low-income economies and lower-middle-income economies. So what we want to do is make sure that nobody is left behind. And that's what Gavi is pursuing. And that's on top, in addition to the mission that we are not going to drop of immunizing another 300 million children against other diseases in the developing world. You know, there's this saying, you know, what gets measured gets managed. Uh, that totally applies uh, to, to Gavi's work. In fact, uh, you could even say that we were created with data at the heart of the model. Uh, because if you go back in history, in 2000, we were created because we wanted to address a market failure. Uh, and so a lot of the approach that Gavi has, has developed is very much market-driven. Uh, and as you know, market-based solutions require the evidence of results. We, when we engage with pharmaceutical industries, when we engage with the private sector, we're a public-private partnership. Data, data, data is always at the center of the conversation. And I would argue when we, when we discuss with our government donors, data is extremely important. And we saw that time and time again. One of the things that Gavi is highly rated for is transparency on results. And that is underpinned by very serious data. Now, to your question about some challenges around the mistrust in data and evidence, it is very worrisome that there are so many absolutely baseless claims that you can read, particularly on the internet and in some media, on vaccines. Vaccines are very well documented. There's tons and tons of studies and data, and it's all very transparent. And yet, you still hear the same kind of controversy and tension, which, which I think is promoted by the structure of social media, largely, that, that allows this kind of thing to prosper in, in closed circles. And, and what it points to is not, do we have the data? Because the answer is, in many cases, we do. But it points to how do we communicate the data? You know, how do we share the evidence? How is the information reaching out to people? Do you know Hans uh, Rosling? He wrote this book, this absolutely fantastic book that I would recommend to anybody listening to us called Factfulness. And, and in this book, he says, you know, I love critical thinking and I admire skepticism, but only in a framework that respects evidence. How can we bring together both the storytelling as well as the evidence, which I think is at the heart of convincing, at least try to convince those people who are still listening? There was a, a Gallup survey that was uh, made for the Wellcome Trust in 2019. And the question they, they asked uh, was, do you, do you believe that vaccines are safe? In large, well-educated you know, OECD countries with access to information, like Germany, France, Switzerland, only 59% of people said, yes, we believe that generally vaccines are safe. That figure goes down to 50% in Eastern European countries. Now, I want to compare that with another survey that was done, uh, I think, last year. Uh, and the question asked was, do you believe in horoscopes? And 23% of the people say, every day, I will consult my horoscope before making decisions. So we're only twice as good as horoscopes with vaccines, right? So how do we go against that? And, and how do we change perceptions is extremely important. 
international organizations like ours, we're not marketing agencies. You know, with all the good people we have and all the energy and the positive, uh, you know, uh, desire to change things, we're not equipped. We cannot fight against people whose job it is to create or manipulate information. So I think we need allies. We need to work with people who know, who are absolutely masters in this field. And let me give you an example. With Gavi, we introduced a, a vaccine which is against cervical cancer. Now, that's a vaccine that prevents cervical cancer, particularly with teenage women. As you can imagine, in a number of countries, this vaccine uh, was met with a number of questions because in some cultures, people identify vaccinating young women against cervical cancer with uh, almost a, a carte blanche for opening up to, to a sexual life. And of course, there's no reason why those two things would be linked. Some of the myths there are hard to kill, but they need to be, they need to be addressed. Cervical cancer kills, and it can be prevented. So we want, for global health sake, that young women are aware and take this vaccine. So we teamed up with a foundation called Girl Effect that was created and backed by a sports equipment manufacturing brand. And what they have there is basically geniuses of marketing and social media. And their mission uh, as Girl Effect is to empower young women. So what they're doing is that they're running programs in, particularly in Africa, where they're going to put together assets like television shows and radio shows and social media and magazines to empower young women. They want to do that to tell women that they should uh, avoid HIV AIDS, uh, that they should not go into forced marriage, that they belong to themselves and they have the right to choose the career they want. So we teamed up with them and we developed a message and they are playing that message about cervical cancer as part of their TV drama, as part of their radio shows, their social media channels. And we've seen that this is changing the mentalities of the teenage girls, of the parents in ways that Gavi who never had had the skills to bring together. So I think that part of the answer is, who do you team up with? And let's talk to the people who really are able to work with media and social media. And what they bring is how to package it uh, and how to make it resonate. Every year we come out with one report uh, which is a so-called press report that monitors money given to data and statistics overall. And this is a very sad figure because it's less than 1% of ODA every year. We don't have enough money for the infrastructure, for the backbone of statistical production in those countries. How do you think, I mean, we can increase investment for more of the foundational data systems that we also need alongside the more sectorial approaches? The data question uh, needs to be dealt with horizontally. And so it's clearly not what uh, a problem that Gavi can solve on, on, on our own. And so that means that type of data we can collect can have broader use cases. So that's our small contribution. We can contribute to broader foundational data initiatives. So for instance, when we vaccinate children, uh, we can play a role in ensuring that children are registered uh, into foundational data systems or infrastructure. So, uh, and we've been working with with birth registration people to see how we can we can connect our work with with their work. Uh, we're also looking at what we call zero dose children. Those are the children that have never ever seen a single immunization. And it's fair to assume that many of those zero dose children are likely 
to not be enrolled, in fact, in any other foundational data systems, because if vaccination doesn't reach them, then probably nothing else is reaching those kids. So when we find them and we immunize them, we generate data that, that hopefully can be helpful to an entire ecosystem that goes way beyond uh, the narrower things that we've been uh, pursuing. Can you give us maybe one or two hopeful messages if you look forward for the next year, for 2021? Absolutely. And, you know, and, and I would, you know, refer back to, to, to Hans Rosling for that, because I think he was the first one to point that uh, the world is a lot better than we depict. People have a tendency to believe that uh, we're, we're living in this world, which is really um, uh, bleak and where nothing is working and, and you know, that has uh, major issues. But, but in, in practice, we have seen massive reductions in abject poverty, in vaccination, in the fight against HIV AIDS. So the world generally is moving in the right direction. And it's true that COVID-19 has been a very sad parenthesis. I think that there's a lot of uh, reasons to be, to be hopeful with COVID itself. We, you, you've read in the, in the media that now we have serious vaccine candidates. But I would say just one thing is that we need to learn from that. We know that a lot of what happened is linked to underinvestment in global health, in statistics, in monitoring. It is somewhat linked to short-term views. It is somewhat linked to denial. It is somewhat linked to fake news and to the questions you were raising earlier. We need to be better prepared. We need to make long-term investments. We need to be sure that when the next pandemic comes, because there will be another one, is the nature of pandemics. We do a lot better than what we did this time. Thank you so much, Guillaume. Thank you very much, Johannes. Thank you for having me. Stay safe. Open up the paper. 